0: My fellow from low Solomon Thinkers, thank you for tuning to LL3 Podcast. My name is Craig, transmitted from the beautiful realms of planet Earth. Today's date is Wednesday, January 4th, 2022. This is episode 1594, a way to stop inflation and New York judge rules red flag law unconstitutional. Before I proceed, you can follow me on multiple social media sites and podcast channels. Just type in "Lucky Luck number three, Looky Luck Roman number three, which are three eyes, or the Looky Luck Roman number three podcast. Furthermore, if you want to contact me on anything, always use the quorum, send material, all that good stuff. You can reach me at Looky Luck numbers zero three at Paul If you want to donate, go to PayPal.me or cash.app 4 slash Lucky Luck number three. Oh, yes. So it looks like Pope Benedict Sixteenth. Did a request before passing not to have Joe Biden be invited to his funeral? Oh, so he sounds like to me, he just denounced him as a unfit Catholic. Ain't that great or what? There's some controversy with him as well, according to the American Journal. Allegations of uh, covering up priests that were pedophiliacs. That's what one of the, that's claimed one of the reasons why he resigned. But um, I like that. That's like something else. And uh, many of the many of the people would say, "Hey, whatever." We all know Biden is just another globalist butt lug anyway. And plus, the Roman Catholic Church—they've got rogue elements in there that are considered agents in that institution as well. Well, I'm not here to devour or condemn. The Catholics Catholic um, people okay so just to clear that out yes I was like uh, examining some of the um, three of the the voting the votes for speaker of the house and it's very interesting so it's considered to be a stalemate when you look at it or impasse and um, McCarthy is a compromiser I know Donald Trump is supporting him, endorsing him, but sometimes you gotta question everything. One, uh, and one lady, on, um, made a phone call on C-SPAN about McCarthy kissing Trump's ring at belt on Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> that is funny if it's the case, but um, it is very interesting because even President Trump, Donald Trump, to be very honest, he was a um, Told everyone to he endorsed McCarthy. So, what does um he know that the rest of us don't, right? But the fact is, like I told everyone in the past, he like in my past episode, he is a compromiser. You got to look at his voting record. And of course, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the man from Brooklyn, he's another freedom hater, big time. Wants more big federal government control over the localities and your natural rights. Trying to say, get we got to stop gun violence and so forth, and um, more feds know best will take care of us instead of being more self determined and questioning inflation. We got to play this whole same status quo. On the other hand, was the representative Chip Roy and uh, I think Bober too, later on endorsed Brian Donalds, who was a uh, House representative from Florida. And I have to say one thing. This man this gentleman is did you a know, fantastic job, excellent job on his um track record as opponent's opponent's of office. And maybe the couple of areas I have my differences with just small. But thereafter, he was he would be a great house speaker in my view. And it's funny because even like, uh, what's the name? Congresswoman Sparks from uh, Indiana was the only one that voted president through those whole three three times and they want to try to adjourn it the meeting until 8 p.m tonight but then they actually reschedule for tomorrow at noon. So it was a vote of 216 to 214. That is how it goes And some people maybe get a little bit antsy and all that and um before i do my other articles this one here i had to do a look about the longest contentious speaker election in house history this was from history arts and archives for the united states house of representatives and this came This happened around february 2nd 1856. It says here, at the conclusion of the longest, most contentious speaker election in House history, the House elected Representative Nathaniel Banks of Massachusetts as his presiding officer for the 34th Congress, which is 1855 to 1857. Sectional conflict over slavery and a rising anti-immigrant mood in the nation contributed to a poisoned and deteriorating political climate. As a sign of the factionalism then then existing in the House, more than 21 individuals initially vied for the Speaker's post when the members first gathered in December 1855. After two months and 133 ballots, the House finally chose Representative Banks by a vote of 103 to 100 over Representative William Aiken of South Carolina. Banks, a member of the most nativist American or no, no 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 nothing party and the Free Soil Party, served as a term as speaker before Democrats won control in the in the of the chamber won control of the chamber in the 35th Congress from 1857 to 1859. So they had the nativist. American Party and the Free Soil Party. Interesting there. Probably the NATOs, you know. But um, says it goes on. Banks retired from the House to serve as governor of Massachusetts. Well, it's a good history lesson there, my friends. So what we're seeing right now isn't new. But um, and I know the twenty that the twenty um, Republicans under the Freedom Caucus are against. McCarthy, they may, they did some things they not be too crazy about, and of course, uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has her di- disagreements with the Freedom Caucus on this matter, and ask about get the voting the tr- voting track record of those individuals, including Matt Gates. Hey, you do the same thing on Marjorie Taylor Greene. Hey, anyone can do. Just look it up. And overall, I gotta say they did they both done done well in their positions. So that's how I see it, and in the past, I did um, recall when they tried to go after Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene by suspending her all the committees because of this whole claim of she's a Q follower and allegedly harassed the daylights out of um, David Hogg on gun control, which I've seen the video clip of that, and it was just another reporter. They, that's, it's legit, it was legal, and it wasn't trying to go into his face or harass him or, not, or stop him from walking. She never done anything like that. And even so, I made Chris some memes in the past. You can probably see them on Facebook way back when with some of these individuals, doesn't matter, even a couple of Republicans, I made memes of them saying, which hunting Congresswoman Green made me more masculine? Yes, and Ted, Deutsch is one of them, and I did post that on Facebook with, um, when the Sun Sentinel didn't have those comments, and I read the article, so I posted on there. I, I, I know I got people laughing. I don't know. I may have pissed them off, too, but who the hell cares? The guy's a, a joke anyway, as far as I'm concerned, you know? I, I always call p- people like him yeah, ginos. They want to use that, say they're Jewish by faith, and not more than imposters, okay? So, um... In other words, synagogue of Satan is not being racist or bigoted or anti-Semitic, so don't even waste your energy, folks. I don't even go in that direction. But Gino is a Jew name only, and many people are using it, including Orthodox Jews. Alright, so but I just find this <laughs> like I said before, exciting. So um, what can we say about that? Keep the ball rolling. <laughs> If you if, if you could do hundred and thirty make it hundred and thirty-four votes, man, that'll be that'll be insane, but you know what? It's all well and good as far as I'm concerned. And it makes it eat harder, more difficult for those Yahoos in the House of Representatives that are just a bunch of bunch of control freaks that wanna usurp our natural born rights, which is still void and without force. Ex post facto laws and pairing contracts are Void and without force. Well, you know what can I say about that? Let the chips keep on, let the chips fall. And uh, hey, it's time to be alive, right? And many other things going on with uh, stuff going around the world. Don't try to have any wars. Try to eat. uh, Try to escalate or defuse. or issues in Ukraine, I can just there's so much information out there, folks. I can't even um, catch up. But you know what? Just keep living, be positive, be informed, and exercise your obligations as a natural-born citizen wherever you're at, regardless of your race, color, creed, etc. Well, that'll be my little rant, along with the history of uh, House Speaker votes. I'll be right back, so stay tuned. All right, well, the first thing I'm going to be narrating here came from alt-market.us. This article came out today. It's by Brandon Smith. Is there a way to stop inflation without crushing the economy and killing the dollar? That's what Mr. Smith had to say about this. I have to say here. One of the most dishonest games being played in economics today is an attempt by various groups, political and financial, to deflect blame on the rise of for the rise of inflation. The Biden White House and Democrats definitely want to blame Russia and the war in Ukraine, even though inflation was spiking long before the war ever started. The Federal Reserve pretended for years that inflation was not a threat at all, despite numerous alternative economists warning what would happen. Now they blame supply chain disruptions instead of their own monetary policies. GOP wants to blame Biden alone for the crisis while ignoring the dominant role of the Fed in the economy and their unilateral power over the course of multiple presidencies. In the alternative sphere, there are some people that try to deny the fact that there is more than one type of inflation. They all want to claim is all about money creation, but that's simply not true. There is inflation in money, supply, but there is also price inflation caused by numerous factors, including bottlenecks in production, bottlenecks in resources, bottlenecks in shipping, bottlenecks in energy, etc. Anyone that denies the fact is blinded by bias or just doesn't understand how inflation really works. Overall, it's fair according to the evidence to put most of the blame on the central banks and their 14-year program of bailouts and QE policies. If you have read my previous articles on the Fed's involvement, you know that my position has remained the same for years. I predict a stagflationary crisis Based on a position that the Fed was deliberately creating monetary disaster to make way for the new digital currency system tied to a global framework, and that is exactly what is happening that what has happened so happened so far. That said, too much money chasing too few goods is not only the problem we face as a nation, there is also the issue of global interdependency and our reliance on other countries some of them hostile for production and resources. With supply chain disruptions and and ever-present danger, it's not enough to focus on money velocity and the central bank role. We won't be solving the crisis that way. Not to mention, the more the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, the more it costs to support U.S. government debt, which is already well beyond U.S. GDP. If doubts rise, Over the U.S. being unable to pay for its treasury debts, then foreign creditors may dump their T-bond and dollar holding entirely. This could destroy the buying power of the dollar. In the liberty movement, there's always debate about solutions. We all seem to agree on the core problems, but can't ever seem to agree on what to do about them. There are those that suggest there's nothing that that can be done economically except prepare and wait for collapse so we can rebuild once the dust is settled. I find myself in this camp more often than not, that there are those that believe a political approach is possible. After nearly half the states in the U.S. blocked the COVID mandates and lockdowns, I am starting to think solutions at a state level might be viable. Then there are those that want to build an alternative system, a parallel economy that competes with the mainstream economy. This is something I have discussed for a long time. It's the reason I started Alt Market 12 years ago. It's the ideal solution because it's, it, provo- it is proactive. Instead of waiting around for other people to fix the crisis for us, regular people simply establish their own trade and production systems based on. Necessity separating from the dying economy so that when it collapses, they are mostly unaffected. This, however, is a short-term solution in the large, that large-scale domestic product is eventually needed to return a country and economy to greater prosperity. Growing gardens, making trade items, and forming local barter markets is the only way to weather the storm. It is not a long-term path to fiscal health. What we need is locally-based, large-scale production of necessities as well as our own domestic resource discovery. In other words, think and act locally. That's what he's saying here. In order to fight back against monetary decline, the U.S. needs to produce a majority of its own goods again. If the problem is too much money chasing too too few goods, then we can make our own goods here at home instead of relying on countries like China and the unstable global supply chain. But what if there is an answer beyond domestic production alone? What if we build an economy which focuses on quality? It's a notion that might have been suggested by others, but it's certainly not being promoted by any economists within the mainstream or any political representative. That is true because many of them are bought and paid for, folks, in my personal opinion. The quality economy as a means to fight inflation consider this for a moment what if home-based producers were given incentives by states such as a jubilee on taxes to manufacture high quality long-standing goods there are multiple reasons why this model is not being used all of them faulty carbon control initiatives in the west are actually forcing companies to produce lower quality goods with substandard designs in the name of saving the environment but if products are low quality And are breaking sooner because of carbon control standards and people will have to go out and buy replacement goods sooner more retail demand means more manufacturing which means more carbon pollution over time the carbon emissions narrative is complete nonsense and there is no proof whatsoever that man-made carbon causes climate change but even by the logic of the carbon Lobby quality production makes more sense for the environment. At the very least, it means less waste. Remember when a a washing machine used to last for many years? Remember when a lawnmower or chainsaw was made from quality metal parts instead of being loaded with plastic parts? Remember how grandma had the same working vacuum for decades? Quality used to be used to be the same thing, but the idea has been erased from modern economic theory today it's all about quantity because quality makes a bigger profit as long price as long as prices remain low and people have the money to buy multiple items multiples of an item if items break constantly it means they need to be replaced constantly which means companies make more money in fact there are many corporations that deliberately, Design products to break quickly so that consumers must buy another. This is a method that does not work in an inflationary environment. It actually adds to the problem by forcing into the, the system. All right. So, so I'm going to continue on here. Let's say that instead we have numerous manufacturers that operate within the U.S. and they are offered a tax jubilee for as long as they are willing to produce high quality, long-lasting models of their products. With with tax incentives, they could market such goods at a lower price in order to compete with poor quality goods from places like China. Now, you have given the public access to items that they only need to replace every five or 10 years. Instead, of every 12 months. What about food, which is a major part of the inflation problem, while the federal government actually pays farmers to grow less in order to keep prices high on commodity markets? Why not simply stop doing that? Or again, states could offer tax incentives to farmers that produce with the effort to drive down prices, and state governments could offer to buy excess long term food like wheat as a form of strategic reserve. America used to do this. Why don't we do it? Why don't we do it anymore? And how about housing? Simple. Ban foreign purchases of property and allow and only allow American citizens to buy American land. Americans have the right to private property under the Constitution. Foreign investors and governments do not have that right. The goal of each of these policies would be to free up supply without killing the buying power of the dollar and without deliberately crushing credit markets and triggering ma- mass job losses. If this environment, mo- money velocity slows down and there are more goods on the marketplace because they last longer, savings go up because people don't need to spend as often. Prices in general to start to go down, inflation is subdued, and eventually defeated. Because what is money other than a means to provide necessities and amenities? If those goods last longer, then the money becomes a less relevant to the health of the economy. What about deflation? Would high-quality prod- production lead to a far less sales and a big drop in jobs? In America's current 70% service-based economy, yes, for a time. But this is going to happen soon To happen soon, anyway as the Fed hike rates and stifles access to credit. With my plan, service jobs would be exchanged over time for better pay in manufacturing and engineering jobs. To be sure, there is an argument that quality goods and more savings could lead to decadent spending in other words there is a theory that the more people more money people have the more they will spend on frivolity and this might keep inflation alive the problem is we have not lived in an economy based on quality over several decades so far it's hard to say how people would react if people have long lasting items and are secure in their basic necessities, then what's compelling them to spend with wild abandon not much? The exception will keep the public dependent on a system by reducing our buying power and controlling access to goods. I suspect that they will one day offer the same kind of solution, a return to quality, but only at the price of subservience. Subservience, excuse me. The World Economic Forum shared economy concept, which they clearly plan to introduce after there is a major financial collapse, would require quality-based production. Otherwise, it would fall miserably. If everyone in the world is going to be sharing everything and private property is outlawed, then the goods that are shared would have to be designed to last. My suggestion is that we circumvent the establishment entirely and create our own economic model, still based in private property, but also adapted to quality production. And we manufacture all our goods locally within our own states and our own country. I believe this would end inflation not just today, but for all time. Will the establishment allow such a system to thrive? They would certainly try to stop it from happening using any means they have available. Decentralization and the abundance are the enemies of authoritarianism. My point is there is a, indeed a solution. We don't need federal intervention. We don't need sky rate right, sky high interest rates. We don't need we don't need stimulus. We don't need government oppression or foreign interventions. We don't need global essentialization or a Great Reset. We don't need any of it. They will try to convince us, you, that we do. Regardless of what happens, the public must be aware that there is a better way. Mr. Smith is correct on that, my friends. If you don't learn from the past, we're down to repeat it. In addition, when it comes to money, Congress is supposed to regulate it. The Federal Reserve is totally unconstitutional. As far as, as far as I'm concerned, they're all treasonous scumbags. The IMF, the World Bank, all that. Trying to control the entire planet. All these big major wars, the banksters like them benefit. They don't care about the people. That's what's going on with Ukraine. Piss all the money away. They want They want the goods. Something to think about, right? If you don't learn from the past, folks, we're damn to repeat it. And I do believe they can act locally, community bartering and so forth. It won't be perfect, but you know what? We get things done. And of course, people should learn, including myself, how to uh, fix, be maintenance folks, fix some um, used appliances. That'll be big and make that, make try make that last last long, and so forth. Another thing too, we got we got to stop thinking about all these um, luxuries as are our needs. It's always be the other way around. Let's so always give props to like uh, the Amish too and um, other folks that do the small communities growing their own food and so forth. That's damn good and I always uh, encourage people to know these know, network these individuals and learn from them and you can share it with your kids and and beyond. Hey, even a person like myself, hey, I'm not that, I'm not young, I'm not young myself, but I'm still learning. I think it's beautiful. So we always gotta take the initiative on bettering ourselves, our communities, and so forth. We don't need these big, hotshot, globalist hacks, central bankers, or the federal government getting involved. Cause you know why? Without them, they're nothing. And I'll be hitting the final segment, so stay tuned. All right, I'm going to do one more here. Came from the newamerican.com. Came out today, written by Bob Elderman. New York judge rules state, red flag law unconstitutional. As it reads, Justice Thomas Moran of the Supreme Court of Monroe County, New York, part of the state's 7th Judicial District, ruled in late December that the state's red flag law, a.k.a. Extreme Risk Protection Order law, or ERPO is unconstitutional. He relied on the recent Supreme Court ruling in Bruin that any law infringing on the citizens' rights under the Second Amendment meet a very strict standard. The government must demonstrate that the regulation is consistent with the national historical tradition of firearm regulation. The state's ERPO law didn't meet that standard and Judge Moran tossed it. The law's goal of removing weapons from otherwise lawful possession of them by their owners without adequate constitutional safeguards cannot be condoned by the court. While some may advocate that the ends justify the means in support of the law, where who those means violate a fundamental right under our Bill of Rights to achieve their ends, then the law, or I mean, on its face, cannot stand. Therefore, the Temporary Extreme Risk Protection Order, TURPO, and uh, extreme risk protection order ERPO are deemed to be unconstitutional by this court. It cannot be stated clearly enough that the Second Amendment is not a second-class right, nor should it ever be treated as such. In reviewing of the ruling legal firm, Tyler and Associates said, this particular case highlights everything that is wrong with red flag laws, adding the petitioner who filed the extreme risk protection order was the strange boyfriend of the respondent, who was a licensed gun owner in New York State. He alleged that his ex-girlfriend was a danger to herself and others and obtained a temporary extreme risk protection order. The boyfriend cited instance dating back to 2020 to bolster his case. What the boyfriend failed to note, however, was that he himself was under a straining order from his ex-girlfriend. So it was retaliation, pure and simple, which is what makes red flag laws so dangerous under New York's law and most of those in other states. Anyone which can file a a grievance can file with grievance can file a complaint. If granted, the respondent, the victim, will find find police at his or her door to confiscate his or her firearms. As the Tellum law firm notes, extreme risk protections have become very popular in any gun states like New York and are a way for government officials to take away the second amendment rights of individuals who have not committed any crime. The attorney representing the ex-girlfriend Daniel Daniel Estrallo, called such laws a very quick and easy mechanism to deprive somebody of their fundamental second amendment rights. The problem with the law according to Stralo, is that you have people who are essentially not medical professionals expressing medical opinions that results in the deprivation of rights. And you have a procedure that essentially allows somebody to lose their rights without ever having gone in front of a judge, all of which violates the Fourth Amendment as well as the second. The right of the people to secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable such seizure shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. The Liberal Gun Club, which claims to provide a pro-Second Amendment voice for left-of-center gun owners, assured its members that the ruling by Justice Moran is likely to be appealed. Moran's ruling was welcomed by the right-of-center gun owners, who correctly fear that red flag laws, if upheld, could be turned into gun confiscation laws applying to anyone owning a gun. And I have to give Judge Moran props for that, Justice Moran props for that. He did everything correctly. And in addition to the U.S. Constitution, even under Article 1, Section 6, Article 1 is the New York State's Bill of Rights. And there's a thing on here protection of certain enumerated rights there's other things here grand jury and all that good stuff but if you ever go like to the second paragraph last sentence no person shall be, be deprived of life liberty or property without due process of law and we could even go to section 11 equal protection of laws no person shall be denied the equal protection of the laws of the state or any subdivision thereof. No person shall, because of race, color, creed, or religion be subject to any discrimination of his or her civil rights by any other person or by any firm, corporation, or institution, or by the state or agency or subdivision of the state. Section 12 is equivalent to the Fourth Amendment, is self-explanatory about security against Unreasonable searches and seizures, searches, seizures, and interceptions. All right, it's very self-explanatory on here, and we can go that's the first paragraph. We go to the second paragraph here. Why the people can be secure against unreasonable interception of te- telephone and telegraph communications should not be violated ex parte order. So right there, it's self-explanatory it's on phone stuff. So you can you can, you can um, add that to the mix. But Section 12 is, like I said before, and this is re- interesting here, too. Common law and the acts of colonial and state legislators. I'll say here, such. I'll read the whole thing. What the hell? This is a historical lesson. Such parts of the common law and the acts of the legislator of the colony of New York as together did form the law of the said colony on the 19th day of April, 1775, and the resolution of the Congress, a said of the colony and the Convention of the State of New York in force on the 20th day of April, 1777, which have not since expired or been repealed or altered, and such acts of the legislature of the state as are now in force shall be and continue the laws of the state subject to such alterations as the legislator may make concerning the same. Here's, this, here's this, right here. But all such parts of the common law and such of the acts or parts of thereof as repugnant to this constitution are hereby abrogated. That means void and without force. So that's plain and simple. Life is based on natural, natural law, natural rights. So um, how I see it, as far as I'm concerned, right there on the state level, red flag laws in the Empire State is invalid. Period. And let those other dickum poops in Albany and all these geniuses in their subdivisions tell you any different. You need a lawyer to, learn to figure, this one, figure this one out, folks. I'm gonna do a little reading. If you don't understand certain language, look it up, and um, you'll be you'll be intrigued. So, <laughs> Justice Moran chose wisely. If, if the appeal breaks. You need to bring this with you as well Artic- or the, your state's bill of rights section 6 11 12 and 14. that is it that's all i gotta say all right i'm gonna stop here thank you for listening plus feel free to download and share us right your social media networks if you have any questions comments and your sense on this internet check out whatever you do please to the corresponds to the quorum for the monthly the footnotes of these articles on my page and that includes the longest um longest and most continuous speaker election in house history. I'll add that to it. And if you folks wanna contact me, you go to lucky luck number zero three at Wanna donate, go to paypal.me or cash. at for slash look number three. You're gonna support alt market, Brandon Smith, the new American. Knock yourselves out, folks. I always appreciate their content. I want to share it with you. As I said, with those knuckleheads in the mainstream media, trying to hypnotize you, documentate you with, right? <laughs> you make your own decisions. Once again, thank you for your time. Plus, always remember that the maniac resistance is healthy for the soul and can liberate humanity. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Keep on spreading love, and may your guardian spirits be with you.